to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS, is a condition that causes millions of Americans mostly women, to suffer with intestinal cramps, bloating, gas, constipation, and or diarrhea. It affects women twice as often as men, and some women have IBS with constipation that can persist for days, weeks, or even months. Others have frequent loose stools. If you experience this, you know what I'm talking about. Alternating bouts of constipation and diarrhea are super common, and sometimes people with IBS have a crampy urge to have a bowel movement, but nothing happens. Many women patients have sent me photos of themselves looking five to seven months pregnant when they're not pregnant at all. It's due to bloating after a meal and has caused them substantial personal social embarrassment. First of all, to that, I want to say, let's hang that one up, ladies. We have got to stop being embarrassed about our bellies and about this obsession with flat bellies. That said, I totally get it if you're struggling with IBS, how uncomfortable it can be. Welcome to Natural MD Radio. This is your host, Aviva Ram, and let's get to the why and when of IBS symptoms and what you can do. IBS is so common that fully 30% of all referrals to a gastroenterologist are for IBS symptoms. In the past, women were told that the problem was basically psychological. Are we ever going to stop telling people it's in their heads? I just don't know. Thank you or no thank you, Dr. Freud. And just because stress can be a trigger does not mean it's in your head. It is known that people with IBS have greater sensitivity in the nerves and muscle fibers in their intestines than those who don't have it. This means that if you have IBS, you're more reactive to a variety of stimuli, including certain foods, chemicals we produce under stress, and hormones. IBS symptoms may occur just situationally, for example, before an exam, a job interview, a date, or public speaking, or they can occur regularly, making you uncomfortable or even downright miserable many times each day, though most people with IBS struggle with it regularly even without major obvious emotional triggers. Most, though not all, IBS sufferers report that their symptoms are worse after a meal, And many women report that symptoms are worse just before the start of their periods. Some of my many patients have had such significant problems with gas or loose stools that they're anxious about social events and what should be normal activities like going grocery shopping or having to travel any more than a short distance for fear of needing a bathroom quickly is really stressful. We also know that women with endometriosis are much more likely to have IBS and even though that they occur together and this is a well-known phenomenon, a lot of women get their endometriosis missed because it's chalked up to just IBS. Conventional treatment for IBS includes a variety of medications from antispasmodics to reduce cramping, to laxatives to control constipation, to antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications to control mood, both that may trigger or may result from 
IBS symptoms. These all can provide symptomatic relief, but they don't get to the root causes, meaning the underlying factors that lead to the gut hypersensitivity or irritability. The good news is that IBS does not cause permanent damage to the intestines or lead to any dangerous or life-threatening diseases, but for many, it can be socially disabling and it's downright uncomfortable. My experience as a practicing integrative and functional medicine doctor has shown me that there are clear causes for IBS. This is also well documented in the medical literature and that it can be cured. I've seen it happen so many times that I'm sometimes shocked that conventional medicine just hasn't caught on yet. I'm going to share with you exactly what I share with my patients about how to address IBS. IBS has four main root causes, diet, specific food intolerances, stress and trauma, and dysbiosis. That's when the gut microbiome is disrupted. In most cases, there's a combination of all, or at least several of these going on at once. And with trauma, that's usually a past experience that at some point in our earlier years set this gut hypersensitivity in motion. Often, one cause can lead to another. For example, you might be intolerant to dairy, much more so than you realize, and this might be the core trigger of your gas and bloating, even your constipation or loose stools, but over time, this intolerance also causes inflammation in your gut, which then causes you to develop dysbiosis or messed up gut flora. This then can make you intolerant, for example, to fructose, leading to more gas and more bloating and loose stools. Additionally, premenstrually, it's very common to have IBS-like symptoms, and IBS, as I said, is highly associated with endometriosis. So if gas bloating or loose stools are a problem premenstrually, you can try what I talk about in just a little while called the FODMAPS Gentle Plan, just for three to five days before your period, and you don't necessarily need to do anything otherwise if your gut is otherwise fine most of the time. If you struggle with endo belly, for those of you who know me now, um, I'm doing air quotes. You may have already imagined me doing air quotes. Endo belly is a phenomenon due to endometriosis that causes gas, bloating, loose stools, and constipation at any time in the menstrual cycle, or it can be more ramped up premenstrually. Again, for you, the low FODMAPs gentle plan can be phenomenal. Um, low FODMAPs, low FODMAPs or FODMAPs gentle um, has been shown to be helpful for endometriosis. And I actually have a separate um, article over on my website about that and a podcast coming soon. But it can really help the endometriosis-related digestive symptoms. I'm going to talk about each of these root causes as we go on together so you can figure out which are affecting you. And we're going to talk about how you can restore balance so you can move beyond a life that revolves around your digestive comforts. So first things first is identifying your IBS triggers. When identifying your IBS triggers, the first thing you have to do is learn to connect the dots. That is, you have to start paying attention to when symptoms occur. Doing this can start to clue you into some of the causes of your IBS, and each person's are slightly different and unique to them, though throughout this podcast, you're going to hear common themes. One of the most effective tools for identifying your triggers is to keep a five-day food mood symptom journal. And you can find a food mood symptom journal 
over at um, my website under the additional assets that go with my book, Hormone Intelligence, because in my book, Hormone Intelligence, I give a full gut healing program. But you can just hop on over to my website, avivaram.com, and over there, just look for, um, just search for resources, and you'll find additional resources for my book. And if you head over to avivaram.com, forward slash 157, that's episode 157, you'll find a corresponding article that goes with this podcast. As always, I have your back so you can do whatever you're doing while you're listening to the podcast without having to furiously scramble down notes on a piece of paper or find a piece of paper or type notes into your into your smartphone. Um, over there, I will link you over to that page so you can grab the Food Mood Symptom Journal and write it down. And what you wanna do is pay attention whenever you eat a meal or snack. Notice how you feel between 15 minutes and two hours later and start to trend that. I don't want you to get all nuts and neurotic about everything you eat, but we've never really been taught most of us throughout the course of our lives to pay attention to the fact that our food really does affect us. And I'll tell you, when my patients do this in my practice and when my students do this in like the 28-day gut reset, they really start to notice, wow, I never realized that when I ate bananas an hour later, I'm always having this griping, cramping belly pain. And they start to identify which foods, maybe foods that temporarily are triggers for them, because once we get to the bottom of healing some of the dysbiosis, maybe then they can tolerate it again. Or maybe some foods just aren't your personal best friend. I mean, historically, not all of us intergenerationally, you know, if we go back generations, most of us wouldn't have had access to bananas. And so maybe some of us can't tolerate bananas just the way some people are lactose intolerant by genetic factors. So pay attention to what works for you. And that food mood symptom journal can really help because you know what? It's often not just gut symptoms. We may feel more anxious or more irritable or more tired after we eat certain things. And the amazing thing is that once you start to connect the dots between your triggers and your symptoms, you'll realize that staying IBS free isn't as hard as you might think initially. It's a matter of paying attention to your body and knowing how to anticipate and prevent triggers. And over time, healing your gut so you have fewer triggers that you need to avoid because you're healing that sensitivity in your gut. So let's start with, no pun intended, low-hanging fruit, dietary factors. So there are two key ways that IBS shows up, and it's IBS with constipation or IBS with diarrhea or alternating. So let's start with IBS with constipation. A diet high in protein and low in fiber from fruits and vegetables and whole grains can be very constipating. So if you're predominantly constipated, increasing your intake of fruits and veggies, especially high fiber veggies like cooked leafy greens, including kale and collards and broccoli and high fiber fruits like apples can really get your bowels going. But I'm going to talk about the FODMAPs gentle and apples won't be your friend. So put a pin in the apples for now, but there are lots of fruits that are high in fiber. And um, you also want to get things like insoluble fiber, things like celery um, have a lot of insoluble fiber that act like a broom in your intestines. So you want to increase your fiber intake. A good goal is about 50 grams a day by eating a wide variety of vegetables, ideally two servings per meal, 
including vegetables, as part of your snacks. For example, I love having vegetable crudités with some uh, guacamole dip, and that is just a wonderful afternoon snack. You can substitute fruit for one or two of your vegetable choices as well. Additionally, consider adding in one to two tablespoons of freshly ground flaxseed into a daily shake or onto your salads or over your grains to increase your fiber intake. One tablespoon of flax seeds has about 14 grams of fiber. So if you think about two grams of two tablespoons of flaxseed a day, and they don't have to be ground, they can be fresh, but ground acts as a really nice, again, um, bulk laxative to help really um, clear out your intestines. They also are phenomenal for mood and for hormone balance, for estrogen um, balance, and also for improving produ- uh, production of progesterone. So lots and lots of benefits for uh, women taking flax seeds. But that two tablespoons gives you more than half of that fiber need for um, per day. Also consider taking 300 to 600 milligrams of magnesium citrate before bed each evening to get your bowels going regularly. Start with the lower dose and then adjust up or down until you have a regular easy bowel movement the next morning and add in a daily probiotic, which can help intestinal motility, which can be slow if you have IBS with constipation. In addition to that, make sure to add in some ginger every day, ginger in your food, ginger capsules, ginger tea, but get ginger because it helps with gas and bloating. And as you get your bowels moving, um, that can cause some cramping too, especially if you've been constipated for a while. Additionally, certain food triggers may be more of a problem for you. So for some people that can include caffeine, fatty foods, and alcohol. So pay attention to whether those are a trigger for you. And that can be for constipation or for diarrhea. So for example, um, caffeine can be really a a stimulus for the bowels, and so they can get you constipated. But if dairy makes, uh, so they can get you your bowels moving, but if dairy makes you constipated and you're putting dairy in your coffee, milk in your coffee or cream, that can make your constipation worse. Conversely, if you tend to have loose stools and you have lactose intolerance, putting that caffeine, that milk in your coffee you may be dependent on it to go in the morning, but that that may also be causing you some gas, bloating, and loose stools. Crazy story, but I went to um, Haiti to practice medicine for a month there. I did obstetrics and pediatrics and, and general medicine. And one of the doctors that was there um, had lactose intolerance, um, but she gets really constipated. And we had no dairy. We had no access to any dairy. So anyone who had coffee, you just had black coffee there. And so... Um, she was really constipated, but she was saying that she's actually lactose intolerant. So the reason she puts the milk in her coffee is because it makes her have looser stools. Otherwise, she's always constipated. So this is something common that people are really often doing, leaning into the coffee and that milk. But again, pay attention, take it out for a while, put cashew milk or almond milk if you want to have your coffee. Pay attention. Is that caffeine jacking up your bowels and making you poop more frequently? Okay. So speaking of pooping more frequently, there's IBS with loose stools. If you're prone to loose stools, fruit and veggies, especially those high in fructose, could be a trigger for you. So if a high fiber, high fruit and veggie diet gets you on the run or the runs, then 
I want you to think about backing down on the raw veggies and emphasizing steam, baked, and roasted options. So you can roast your kale on a roasting tray. You can steam your kale. You can saute your spinach, etc. That makes that fiber much easier on your tummy. Additionally, you can try a fructose elimination diet for four to six weeks and see if that helps. And also go dairy free. Again, that lactose can cause loose stools. And I don't recommend just trying lactate. Look, we don't need dairy as human beings. There are lots of better ways to get get calcium. So try going completely dairy free, no yogurt, no cheese, etc. for about four to six weeks and see what happens. For a fructose elimination diet, you can actually Google my name And um, I did a Dr. Oz episode some years ago where I go into fructose intolerance. And so you can find that in the archives of the Dr. Oz show. So just uh, um, Google Aviva Ram fructose fructose elimination, and you should find a full fructose elimination plan. I haven't gotten to putting that on my website yet, I don't think. Um, But I do talk about it in my my book, Hormone Intelligence. Um, So fructose-free, dairy-free. Now, how do you know which is which? Well, go fructose and dairy-free for four to six weeks, then add one or the other back in for a week and see what happens. If you add the dairy in for a week and now you've got gas, bloating, constipation, or loose stools, you know that was the culprit. Take it back out for a couple of weeks, then try adding separately in the fructose um, foods at a separate, like two weeks later. And if those give you gas and bloating, take those out and then work with your diet around those. And I'm going to tell you about a uh, FODMAP gentle in just a minute. So again, lots of foods can be a trigger and I don't want you to become restrictive in your diet. The good news with IBS is there's a pretty tight set of foods that are often the trigger and often healing your gut, doing a deeper gut healing program, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, um, can be really helpful and allow you to introduce those foods back again. But again, sometimes those foods are just not your friends and you create a really wonderful, really nourishing, delicious diet. I mean, I have five weeks of meal plans for you just in the Hormone Intelligence book. I have four weeks of meal plans in my book, Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. I've got meal plans in my gut reset. I've got recipes for you on my website. So there are lots and lots of ways to um, create an absolutely delicious diet that is free of these food triggers. Now, Some people have very specific food intolerances, and that's where we get into lactose and fructose. And as I said, one of the facts known about irritable bowel syndrome is this phenomenon called visceral hypersensitivity. It's an extra sensitive state of the intestinal lining in people with IBS, and it can be caused or aggravated by inflammation in the intestine. Food sensitivities are one of the most common reasons for this intestinal inflammation, and therefore identifying your personal food triggers can really help. The most common foods that lead to intestinal inflammation are gluten-containing foods, anything with wheat, barley, and rye, sometimes gluten cross-reactive grains like corn, and then also dairy, including milk, yogurt, and cheese, and other milk-based products milk-based products with the exception of butter, which is usually easy to tolerate, and ghee is not usually a trigger at all. It's particularly cow dairy. There's something called A1 casein that is not in sheep and goat dairy. So if you're just absolutely committed to eating dairy in your diet, 
have sheep and goat dairy instead and get fermented form. So sheep yogurt. I recommend taking it out altogether for a while and just see how you do. But if you do find that you want to reintroduce some dairy in your diet, yogurt, sheep yogurt, best options. Of note, many people who are diagnosed with IBS might actually have celiac disease that has never been diagnosed. Celiac disease only affects a small percent of the population. It's a couple of percent. But if taking gluten out of your diet significantly improves your symptoms and adding it back again aggravates your symptoms, then consider whether you could have celiac and just, you can get a workup for it, but the workup is a intestinal biopsy. I don't recommend going in for that unless there's some reason you really need to, but just stay off of the gluten. An elimination diet, which you can do for four weeks, along with a 4R program, which I link you to over at the um, avivaram.com forward slash 157 episode, can really help to heal your intestinal lining and relieve sensitivity to many foods. So keep that in mind. Unless you have celiac, then you are probably permanently sensitive to gluten. If you have lactose intolerance, you're probably permanently sensitive to dairy. And then keep those out of your diet. But that reintroduction, as I mentioned with the dairy and the fructose earlier, can help you sort it out. And if piecing together a program like this feels too overwhelming, that's what my book, Hormone Intelligence, is for. That's what my 28-day gut reset is for. So those programs are available to help you move through this gut healing really easily. But for most of you with IBS, you don't have to do extensive gut healing. It really is about learning what your personal triggers are and taking those out. Now, if you've been struggling with IBS, you've probably heard about something called a low FODMAP diet, since it's a commonly suggested dietary approach in both conventional, integrative, and functional medicine realms. If you're unfamiliar with the low FODMAP diet, it's a diet in which you avoid foods high in a specific short-chain carbohydrate, which are found in many gut-healthy foods, actually many fruits, vegetables, and legumes. But studies have shown that it can provide symptom relief for IBS, including when IBS is associated with endometriosis. But here's where I see many go wrong. While this diet may be helpful for symptoms in the short or long run, the overall goal of this diet was never to completely or permanently remove these foods from your diet, but to become able to tolerate them again through healing your gut. It was meant to be a diet that was almost like a test so that if you went off of those foods, you can see if those foods were a trigger. And now it's becoming an elimination diet, which can be really, really effective, but it's super restrictive. So it's really not optimal to stay on this standard low FODMAPs diet indefinitely because it removes a lot of healthy foods, including some of those that are really important for gut healing and long-term health, like leafy greens, legumes, and beans. A standard IBS-friendly diet has been shown to be just as effective at relieving IBS symptoms and is far, far less restrictive. This simply includes eating regular meals, so not skipping meals, really important, avoiding coffee, spicy foods, unhealthy fats like trans fats, and getting ample fiber fresh fruits, veggies, and good quality fats like olive olive oil, avocado, and ghee on a daily basis. So I'm just going to repeat that. 
This is a standard IBS-friendly diet, and it's found to be as effective as a low FODMAPs. And again, it's a healthful Mediterranean-style diet. It is exactly the food plan that I created for you in the Hormone Intelligence meal plan in the book. Um, And it involves, again, eating regular meals, avoiding coffee and spicy foods, avoiding unhealthy fats, getting ample fiber, fresh fruits and veggies, and good quality fats. But if doing that is still leaving you with symptoms and you want a little bit more of an advanced approach, but can't live on or fathom living on a low FODMAP plan, you can do something called a low FODMAP gentle plan. And that has also been found to be as effective and more sustainable than the full low FODMAP diet. So you basically take that standard IBS diet, which is the hormone intelligence meal plan, and you remove the following, gluten and dairy, which are already out of the hormone intelligence meal plan. But you also remove legumes, onions, cauliflower, mushrooms, apples, pears, dried fruit, stone fruit, and watermelon. Now remember, you don't have to memorize those. They're over at avivaram.com forward slash 157. And that can be a long-term approach except for the legumes. Legumes are a really important part of a blood sugar healthy diet, a heart healthy diet, a fiber healthy diet. So I recommend finding a couple of legumes that you do tolerate, maybe not in the first six weeks, but then add those back in a few times a week. Usually lentils and garbanzo beans, especially if they've been cooked well and seasoned with spices like cumin. You want to soak them first, or if you purchase them in glass bottles or jars, make sure they've been pre-soaked or else pre-soak your own. Pressure cook them, not the lentils. You don't want to pressure cook lentils, so the pressure cooker will... valve will blow off and you'll have lentils all over your ceiling. But with the garbanzos, you can, if that's too much work, look for a company that pre-soaks them. Often the glass bottled companies that you can get at places like Whole Foods um, do that. So I want to switch gears and talk about some of the other root causes because those food is a major one and it's again, a low hanging fruit, so to speak, but there are others and stress is a major one. If you've ever had butterflies in your stomach, you know, felt like you just couldn't stomach something, or if you just knew something in your gut, you're probably not surprised that science has established beyond any doubt that there is a direct relationship between the brain and the gut. In fact, the nerves in the intestine come from the same origins as the nerves in the brain and spinal cord in the fetus and are closely connected in adults. As a result, chemicals that affect our nervous system, mood, and emotions affect our gut and the other way around. And in someone with IBS, this connection is even more sensitized. So if you have um, IBS, you'll want to really have a set of tools that you can use to keep your inner peace as much as possible. Because again, those gut symptoms can trigger emotional symptoms. Emotional symptoms are more likely to trigger gut symptoms in you if you are IBS um, kind of hardwired, if you will. Mindfulness and meditation have been shown to keep moods even and helps to relieve IBS symptoms. They don't require sitting in one place and breathing deeply for an hour. Think of it more as learning to get into a tranquil mindset by using specific thoughts, images, or deep breathing to calm yourself and bring your emotions to center while calming your gut. And one of my favorites is a meditation called the quickie, which you simply um, breathe into the count of eight, breathe out to the, I'm sorry, uh, breathe into the count of four 
and breathe out to the count of eight. And you can do it one of two ways. On the inhale, imagine that you're saying to yourself, I am. And then on the exhale, at peace. So inhale to the count of four, I am. Exhale to the count of eight, at peace. Another option is to do soft belly breathing. It's the exact same thing. But you inhale to the count of four while you're saying soft to yourself. And you exhale to the count of eight saying belly. So it's like this. Inhale. I'm inhaling through my nose. I'm exhaling through my mouth. That count kind of becomes automatic. And while I'm on the inhale, I'm saying, I am at peace. With the soft belly, I'm saying soft belly in my mind. And as I say soft belly, I'm breathing deeply into my belly. I'm loosening my belly and then I'm exhaling and keeping my belly soft. You can do this anywhere. I recommend repeating for at least four cycles, but four cycles can turn into eight, can turn into 16, can turn into you know as many as you want to help you relax wherever you are. You can do it with your eyes open. You can do it with your eyes closed. And I highly recommend doing this practice, just four cycles of it. So inhale, exhale to the count of four. Four, four and eight, four times before you eat, because often we're all eating in such a rush. We're eating keyboard meals and dashboard meals. We're not taking time to just be present and chew our food and eat slowly. And that can is causing digestive system symptoms in so many people. And if you're already hardwired for IBS or you've developed IBS all the more so. So keep calm and don't panic is a great way to think of it. When you have digestive system symptoms, breathe into them. Before you eat, breathe into it. At night, before you go to bed, breathe into it. And then when you wake up in the morning, breathe into it. Now, there is an association between um, IBS and trauma. Half of all women who have experienced um, sexual assault or trauma as children um, have IBS or digestive symptoms. So if you have had trauma, you deserve to live your life unstuck from that. And there are some great resources. The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, Transforming Trauma by Dr. James Gordon. Those are books and audio. And the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, uh, which I am a faculty, has um, course classes, groups, all kinds of things that you can do Um, from home. And then I'm a big fan of EMDR, which is a therapy that you can learn to do with a therapist, but then you can continue to do um, on your own. And then of course, getting to the bottom of any ongoing stresses in your life is really important. And of course, you owe that to yourself. So self-care, self-love, all that good stuff, really important with IBS. And be gentle with yourself about your symptoms. Look, you're the one that notices your bloating. We're judging it against this pre-programmed awful messaging that we have. And see, every May, flat belly, beach, you know, bikini belly, it's a bikini body. It's all telling us flat belly. Um, if you've had babies, your belly may be may pooch a little. If you get some gas and bloating once in a while, your belly may pooch a little. And I want to mention that if you're not someone who's had a lot of fiber in your diet previously, 
and you suddenly add six or eight or 10 servings of vegetables and fruits to your diet every day or flax seeds or other good fiber, you may actually experience some increase in gas and bloating. I don't want that to alarm you. That's because the bacteria and other organisms in your gut are getting used to the new foods, the healthy foods. And so you're going to have some new gut bacteria that start to grow. You're going to have some ones that don't like that stuff and like the sugar and like the carbs start to rebel. So give yourself a week or two, use ginger. Um, you can use digestive enzymes. These are all things that can really help with those symptoms, but give it some time and your body will adjust. Okay. Dysbiosis. Western medicine has until recently pretty much overlooked the important role of the microbiome, the vast collection of bacteria and other organisms that live in our intestines and outnumber us by our own cells by factors of hundreds. There are literally trillions of these in our gut, way more than we have cells in our body. And it's part of why an effective cure for IBS hasn't been discovered by conventional medicine. However, as our awareness of the impact of diet, lifestyle, emotional stress, etc., on the microbiome has grown, even lack of sleep can disrupt the microbiome. We know that the microbiome can be jet lagged. So if you are a night shift worker, if you are a nurse, if you are a midwife, you're an airline pilot, whatever you do and that keeps you up overnight... Um, this can really be affecting your gut and they can lead to IBS symptoms. So we now are starting to have a lot more insights into how dysbiosis or imbalances in the gut microbiome can contribute to IBS. If you experience gas bloating, and particularly if it's worse after meals, you likely have dysbiosis. Dysbiosis is when too many of the harmful gut bugs and not enough of the good gut bugs start to take over, or you lose variety. And variety in those gut flora is critically important. How do we lose variety in the gut flora? How do we start to have an overgrowth of the bad guys, if you will, and an undergrowth of the good guys? Um, there can be a lack of variety of foods in the diet, especially a lack of high fiber vegetables in the diet, overuse of antibiotics and other medications like ibuprofen and um, proton pump inhibitors like Prilosec for stomach acid. These impact the gut and the gut flora and prolonged stress. And as I said, loss of sleep can affect the gut. Most commonly in functional medicine practices, we also see conditions like SIBO or overgrowth of certain species in the intestines and too little of the good guys like lactobacillus and bifidobacterium species. So what can you do about this? One is whenever possible, eliminate medications that interfere with gut flora and gut health. So talk with your care provider about alternatives to Prilosec. Avoid unnecessary antibiotics. If you're having to take ibuprofen regularly because of painful periods or other pain or endometriosis, learn other alternatives to those and keep those to a minimum just when you absolutely have to take them. Add lacto-fermented foods into your diet on a regular basis daily, sauerkraut, kimchi, miso. And if you tolerate dairy, you can use um, some sheep yogurt or kefir or get a coconut or, or uh, cashew milk type of yogurt. And take a probiotic daily, um, that can help. I don't necessarily have all my patients jump right into a probiotic. In fact, sometimes with IBS, it can aggravate symptoms a little bit. So I usually start with all the dietary strategies and then maybe a few weeks in, add the actual probiotics if needed. But I always start with um, adding the lacto-fermented foods and the variety in the diet. 
Sometimes it is necessary to reduce the number of not so great bugs in the gut using herbal medicines like Oregon grape root or oregano or thyme essential oils. And there are some products that I use in my practice to treat SIBO. But if you need that, I do recommend that you actually work with an integrative or functional medicine practitioner get a copy of my book, Hormone Intelligence, or join my 28-Day Gut Reset, which is available periodically. Um, But the the plan in Hormone Intelligence and different um, plans over on my website, which I'll tell you about in a minute, can help. So one big question I get is, is medical testing necessary for IBS? If you have blood in your stool, when you poop, you see blood, then absolutely, it's really important to get testing because that's not just IBS. You shouldn't have blood in your stool with IBS unless it's from maybe endometriosis. It could be Crohn's disease. It can be ulcerative colitis. And also, um, it can be something simple like hemorrhoids that cause you to, you know, constipation causing you to strain and hemorrhoids. But colon cancer is also on the rise. So if you have any blood in your stool, seeing a doctor is really important. Many integrative and functional medicine doctors use extensive slash expensive testing to diagnose what's going on in your gut. This includes looking for food sensitivities with IgG and other tests, gut microbiome analysis, tests for parasites, digestive enzymes, and intestinal antibodies. I I use those tests far less than most practitioners, and the more I go on in my practice, the less I have significant confidence in those tests. So I leave those tests on for an as-needed basis. I always recommend giving an elimination diet, a low FODMAPs, gentle, six to 12 weeks. And if you need gut healing, following a 4R gut healing program like I have um, in uh, articles over on my website and again in my books that you can follow. And the 28-Day Gut Reset is essentially a 4 R healing program. So if you haven't gotten substantial relief just from the core uh, food changes and simple supplement changes that I've already mentioned, then sometimes it's necessary to do a little bit more. So if you want to know more about how to get lasting relief um, and just making those simple food changes hasn't done it alone, you can head over to avivaram.com forward slash 157. There's a link over to um, the 4R program over at the end of the article. And make sure to sign up for the 28-Day Gut Reset, which is a complete gut healing plan for women. And there's a link over to that too, or just search my website, 28-Day Gut Reset. And of course, uh, you know, so many women struggle with uh, gut dysbiosis and IBS and it's so deeply intertwined to premenstrual um, symptoms, so deeply intertwined to um, hormone imbalances, including elevated estrogen, cyclic breast tenderness, and other things that are related to that, and so intertwined to endometriosis that really Hormone Intelligence, my new book, is a great way to start that gut healing program. I hope this is helpful. Again, head over to avivaram.com forward slash 157. And if you're not sure where to get supplements, I don't sell supplements directly, but I have a relationship with a company called Fullscript. And anyone who goes to Fullscript through my website automatically gets 20% off. That money, any money that comes back to me, you can learn about my not-for-profit arm of my company called Dharma Moms over at my website. Just 
go to my website, go to the bottom of the homepage, you'll see a place where you can link over to that supplement dispensary and you automatically get 20% off if you do get supplements there, but you don't have to get supplements there. You can just get an account, it's totally free, and just browse what I use, and then you can get those anywhere that you get supplements. I hope this is really helpful. I know it can sound really complex, but I will say that in my practice, just with a simple elimination diet, six, eight, 12 weeks, addressing the foods that I've talked about, doing the low FODMAP gentle, if you need to, not everybody does, Um, I have seen women who have struggled with constipation, bloating, diarrhea, most of their adult life become symptom-free in in just a matter of weeks and months. So I know it, you know, it can really happen. And I hope that that is, you know, such an easy turnaround for you because I want you to feel comfortable in your body. I don't want you to feel embarrassed anymore or always be looking for the next restroom. So um, to your health, to your digestive health, and I'll see you next time on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.